In the U.S., we still have to pay U.S. taxes, but here in Portugal, they have a 10-year tax hiatus on taxes. So there's a lot of Europeans moving here. Welcome to the new Nomad Podcast, hosted by Alan and Andrew of Insured Nomads. Join us as Alan and Andrew interview and explore the community of people and ideas that embody the nomadic spirit. Tune in to incredible discussions with thought leaders each week that will help you take full advantage of the cross-border remote work lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to the new Nomad Podcast. We have a great guest today, Dave Williams of Nomad X, a serial entrepreneur. I think it's fantastic to talk about affordable accommodations throughout Europe and the world and slow travel and the remote lifestyle. I think this is going to be tremendous. And many of us who want to get deeper into cultures and out of the bubble, so to speak, I think this is going to be a great conversation. But before we get to Dave, love to go to my co-host, Andrew Jernigan, for uh, quick thoughts of the day. Andrew, I know you've traveled to many places. I know you and I've had conversations about, you know, getting deep into culture. I love the concept of slow travel, where you you actually talk to people, you meet people, you spend time with people. What's your thoughts, my friend? Great to be on here today with you all. I am a slow mad, and that has taken place because not too long after I decided to get into this lifestyle in the 90s that I got married to someone who wanted to live around the world and then brought in kids. And then we travel with our dog and our cat. And you can't really speed travel, time travel with all that. It's the slow mad lifestyle that often used to be called the expat lifestyle, which is more of an elitist term viewed by many. But others view it just as immigrating, going slow. Hurry is my enemy. So taking care of yourself, taking care of those you travel with, taking care of those you leave behind. Those are some of my brief things, Alan, to what you what you brought up there. Well, it, it reminds me of a, a time that I went on a business trip to Istanbul, Turkey, one of the most amazing cities. And there was about 45 of us uh, from the same company. I stayed a few extra days. And I said to all 45 people, anybody want to stay with me? And they're all hopping the first plane home to experience that city. It was just an amazing experience to be walking around for two days myself, experiencing the coffee, the food, the, the whole atmosphere, and that everybody rushed home. And sometimes you wonder, like, what did they miss? This might have been their one chance. So let's bring Dave into the conversation because, Dave, I know you've you've traveled about. I, I know that you, you want to share some thoughts on this topic, but you're almost using a, a hackneyed phrase of getting out of the bubble. But let's let's just talk to people. Let's let's get out there. How about yourself? What attracted you to travel and influencing you know people to to spend a little more time? experiencing culture. Yeah. So, you know, my wife and I, we've been living this digital nomad lifestyle really since 2013, after we exited our last company. We had done some global travel before that, but most of it, we did one year. We founded and sold a couple companies. The first one we sold, we exited back in 2007 and we traveled for about a year, but that was without smartphones. <laughs> it was quite different. My wife, my wife was actually digging up some old copies of where we, we had, we were traveling around China and these Chinese uh, symbols of where we wanted to go to that we could give to the taxi driver. Yep, crazy. I remember them. I remember that. <laughs> so it was pretty wild. She just dug this up because we had one of our containers delivered yeah. here. <laughs> this this last week. We traveled about four plus years or so as, as uh, around the world, and we just saw that staying in a place for longer than a, you know around a month or two months was really ideal for us. We found that if we just rock into a place and spend a few days or a week, you know, it's nice, but you're you're treated much more like a tourist. So for us. 
You know, we like to go to places. We like to stay there. We like to get to know the locals. We like to actually experience and do a lot of things in the places we go to. So we love like outdoor adventure. So in the winters, for example, we go to Chamonix and we spent three months there. We were in Innsbruck, Austria the previous year for a few months doing snowboarding. So for us, it's like, that's a much more relaxing style for us. And then when we leave and we go home, generally met a lot of people in that location. So we return, it's almost like a second home for us. And so, you know, after a while, as we start traveling around the world, you know, for us, a lot of times we like to return to places that were like the favorite places we went to. So obviously Portugal is a hot spot for us. We love Chamonix. We've been back there a couple of times. We've been back to Japan a couple of times. So yeah, we generally find we're not always just trying to check the box on new places, but we're trying to, you know, travel, experience places. And then if we really find places that we love, we like to stay there and then we like to return. So we really see this as the new movement going forward is much more around slow travel. I think, especially as people take their jobs on the road, you know, every time you get up and move, there's a risk the Wi-Fi won't work. Maybe you're going to miss a conference call. You know, it's just, it's a totally different experience traveling as a tourist versus traveling as a professional. So we think for the professional travels out there, slow travel is really the way to go and to really maximize the overall experience and really integrate yourself with that local culture. So yeah, we really love to do it that way. It's really great to hear. And I believe you're, you've got your fingers on the pulse, really, of how the global workforce, the remote workforce is changing and how people are traveling in this lifestyle in that pace. You're talking to governments, you're talking to movement leaders. Can you share a bit into that how your finger is on the pulse now well i think of having experienced a lifestyle myself you know all, all of us nomads are kind of early adopters i would say as much as you read about it in the press i think a lot of people are kind of nomadic and maybe they're more local nomads when it comes down to real global nomads i don't think the audience size is that big yet we think it's going to be massive so i think just having experience and lived the lifestyle um, even lived with nomads we used to have a co-living space up in lisbon just a small five bedroom space, but I've lived with nomads for the last few years in that space when we're not down here at our beach house. So yeah, just living with them and then also having started a business that caters to them. You know, it's not an easy audience to sell to because these early adopters, they're very into affordability. They're very much minimalist. They don't like to be sold to, you know, they tend to be 25 to 35, 35 to 45, although we are starting to see a lot more 45 to 50 or five-year-old segment. That one actually has been increasing quite a bit what we've seen. In our numbers, it's actually a little bit of the older demographic that's starting to filter through a bit more in terms of looking for accommodation. So that's exciting. But yeah, we think this is just going to be a massive, massive movement. And so, you know, that was how I got in touch with Andrew as we put on a weekly clubhouse session, or actually now it's a monthly clubhouse session, the first Tuesday of each month with nomads giving back, where we have about eight to 10 different nomads from around the world talking about their experiences and answering questions. I think there's a lot of people out there that want to experience this lifestyle. They've been working remotely. They may be nomadic locally. Now they're really looking to take their jobs on the road. Like I ran a little poll on LinkedIn and I asked people if they're excited to go back to work, if they're excited to stay home, continue to work from home, or they want to work from anywhere. And it was like 56% of all people that responded wanted to work from anywhere. So I think this is going to be a huge movement, maybe not full-time nomads, but people that want to be nomadic, spending a month, two months, three months on the road. Instead of a week-long holiday, you know, working holiday for a month, it's going to be a much more fun experience and you're going to come home feeling so much more refreshed from the experience. So, You know, Dave, we've looked at some numbers and we feel there might be as many as 5 million digital nomads. We think that number is going to go up as those digital nomad visas come online or people get a taste of the lifestyle. 
So maybe a, a looking at the crystal ball a little bit, your feeling on how the digital nomad visas might affect this, but also how post-COVID, you know, there's a lot of pent-up demand for travel. And a lot of people have said, you know what, we just lived through this period of time. Life is short. I need to get out there. I take it you may feel as bullish on, on this as we do, but also the fact that governments are following in behind saying, you know, we don't mind somebody staying here for a year if they're bringing something to our economy. So maybe your thoughts on that, because that's a that's a burgeoning trend. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I'm here in Portugal. For example, I was traveling the world. I came back to Portugal a few times. And then when I went home after my last trip to Portugal back in like 2000, I think it was 16 or so, my wife always said, we just want to move to Portugal. So we sold our house in the United States. And we were fortunate we were able to get access to Portugal through their golden visa, which is more of a, a real estate play, which worked out really well for us. But we also started a business here. So here in Portugal, for example, we have the remote work visa, which is called the D7 visa. It's a very easy visa to get. It only re requires you stay in Portugal, though, a minimum of six months each year. And I think it only requires about 700, 800 euros in minimum income coming into your account each month. It's a very good pathway for people to come into Portugal. We also have the e-residency, we have the startup visa, you know, the golden visas, a lot of different options. So what we're starting to see is obviously this trend. You know, So a lot of countries are now adopting these remote work digital nomad visas, which allow people to stay longer than the tourist visas. Um, here in Portugal, for example, you can stay three months and then you have to get an extension, which usually lasts at least another few months. But then at some point, usually around six months, uh, is when they, they want to start making you official and collecting taxes on you, is what we've seen. So they only want you to stay in a country so long, kind of tax-free. And then at some point, you got to kind of pay your dues. So the misnomer in this whole thing is that they're calling it a digital nomad visa. But in my experience, because we work with all the digital nomads, most nomads generally only stay in a location from one to six months. So most of them are operating off a tourist visa. So the idea of a digital nomad visa, I would say, it's still more of an expat visa, and they're kind of branding it to be a digital nomad visa. Uh, but really what we see is that the digital nomad visa is really like a visa if you find a place that you really want to stay at for a longer period of time than just three or six months. And that's going to apply to some nomads, but we don't see a lot of nomads staying longer in a location longer than six months. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out because nomads typically like to move around fairly often, not, not too frequently, but fairly often. So we do think it's a huge branding opportunity. We do think like the world opening up and allowing people to get access into their economies to be more permanent in locations other than their home country is going to be huge. In the U.S., we still have to pay U.S. taxes, but here in Portugal, they have a 10-year tax hiatus on taxes. So there's a lot of Europeans moving here, like a lot of French people are moving here for the 10-year tax hiatus. I know in Greece, for example, they have a new digital nomad visa, and I think it has a 50% reduction in taxes for the nomads. So yeah, the governments are really trying to create incentive programs to encourage people to come visit their countries. Uh, the other thing that's kind of lacking, though, is they're putting a lot of this stuff in place, but when you get there, what do you do? You know, you're not a local, you're not a tourist. People are really looking for community. And that's what we've been trying to do, for example, in Madeira Island, which is the first nomad village here in Europe, in fact, globally, which was a collaborative effort between the public and private sectors, was to focus on building community first, instead of just saying, we have a digital nomad visa, come to our country. And we saw it was a massive response. I think we've already had 6,200 people have expressed interest in coming to Madeira. I think at the moment, they've got like 1,200 people or even more on the island that are digital nomads. And about 2,000 people from the States and the UK that all want to come once the travel opens up. So I think if you do it right, and the other thing about Madeira is it was top, I think it was outside of the top 70 on Nomad list. 
And as recently, it's been up around number six, even as high as number four following this project, just after two months of initiating it. So I think there's a big opportunity for governments not just to talk about their, you know, their, their residents, about their digital nomad visa programs, but also to start implementing more work kind of on the ground, compelling digital nomad locations, because I think that's really what a lot of them are looking for. Not all of them, but I'd say a lot of them are starting to look for this. And that's how they make a lot of their decisions is where are they going to be able to find other people like themselves, plus a strong community, plus a strong connection with locals and a very, very cool destination that doesn't cost too much, basically. The shift that governments have to enter into to accommodate the remote worker from outside their country, to take on this revenue of all the spending these folks are going to do for one to four months that they may be staying is enormous. The governmental shift that's got to take place of realizing we don't need to close our borders and make it only tourism, but you can come work here. You can come volunteer here because even on a tourist visa, you can't officially volunteer for an organization. So it's a shift of governmental mentality of, hey, it's okay if people come work from our country on a short-term basis. Eventually, it's going to change the laws of coming to work there on a long-term basis. And so it's this remote work shift that is finally getting the spotlight by countries is going to have a reverberating effect on the communities and on society as a whole. So it's exciting to see that, but I also love to hear the community aspect of Madeira. Um, I can't wait to get there. Alan and I both are coming to Portugal, hopefully at the end of this year. I speak Portuguese because most of my life I've been in and out of Brazil now, almost half my life. Can't wait to get there. So you mentioned Greece with their recent. Uh, the, the list of countries is, the sky, is snowballing with everyone wanting to create some sort of incentive for people, even cities are creating incentives saying, move to Oklahoma move to this city, move to the state of West Virginia, and we'll give you money if you're a remote worker, et cetera. The governmental shift is, is exciting. Other than governments and visas, what do you think is the side effect on this from your perspective? I mean, I think yeah, the, the tourist business isn't very sustainable at the end of the day, as we've seen by the pandemic. So I think that's a huge issue is that a lot of countries are so reliant on tourism in a lot of places. Doesn't it, you know, it's providing economic benefit, but it's also creating a big negative impact as well. And especially as you see with the Airbnbs being a huge culprit in this in a lot of the big cities where they're getting overtaken by tourists. There's a lot going on to kind of fight against this from local economies. But I think what you're going to see with the nomads is a lot of the nomads have been clustering in the big cities up to this point. But I think we're starting to see a breakout from that where people are looking more for mountain locations, beach locations. So the nomads are starting to spread their wings. We've got some new nomads that are coming in, whereas, like as I mentioned in the past, with these early adopter nomads that are very much like minimalists. You know, they're basically packing with a backpack. They're trying to keep the budget as tight as possible, really into affordability. But I think this next generation of nomads, you know, the ones that are working at the Google and the Facebook and Twitter and all these different companies, you know, they've got a nice paycheck. So for them, where they're used to paying maybe 5000 a month for yeah. rent in San Francisco, and I don't know how much they pay for a coffee and beer these yeah. days. Yeah. But I think, yeah, once you get them on the road, I mean, they're going to be looking for some even, you know, they're going to be looking to kind of level up a bit in terms of their lifestyle and actually costing them a lot less at the same time. So we're already starting to see a bit of this, but I think you're going to start to see a lot more of them arriving in some of these, you know, some of these countries. And so you don't need as many of them. So you don't need as many of the tourists. So I think maybe they'll start restricting some of the tourists because I think the tourists are starting to hurt the economies a bit. But I think yeah, everything's going to be leaning more towards this digital worker. Plus a lot of these economies, they need the digital workers because like in Portugal, you know, our, our, our populations, I think in a bit of a decline, they're looking for more people to move here, which is one of the main reasons for the Golden Visa and other programs that they've set up. 
and they need the tech talent because as all these technology companies are moving here to Portugal, they need people to work at the companies, they need people to start companies. And the nomads are great because they're very futuristic yeah. type workers. And so attracting them and retaining them. I know here, for example, we have the Web Summit in Portugal, which is the largest digital conference in the world. And I think they pay them, it's like 11 million each year or something crazy. Or maybe it's even more than that just to have the conference here in Portugal. So I wouldn't be surprised in the future if economies and governments start paying to actually recruit these, these which we've seen a bit of this, but start paying to recruit them because they're going to have such a big impact on the economy because they're not here for three days. They're here for three months. That's right. You know, and you can imagine the impact of that. Plus they're putting on skill shares, you know, they're living in local neighborhoods, they're networking with local digital people, they're, they're starting businesses together, they're building relationships together. You know, it's, it's really like this next generation of the world 2.0, shall we say. And that's what I'm talking about. We're in the middle of a revolution here at the moment. We're in a revolution in terms of the way people live, work, and travel the world. And we're going to see coming out of this pandemic a totally different world and economy. And so, yeah, it's a very, very exciting time in the industry. Um, I think Andrew feels the same way, too. We're kind of like... Just yeah. trying to explain this to people, but I don't think people have really digested it quite yet. It's interesting as more folks are exploring this, and, and this is one of the things we cover on this podcast. But on the other hand, there's a couple sticky wickets. There's the tax issue. You know, people all of a sudden now you have your different tax jurisdictions. I mean, our space in healthcare, none of these countries want a digital nomad or a remote worker coming there and using their health services and being subsidized. So obviously we, in our, our space, we find visa letters to show you a certain amount of coverage, et cetera. And then there's the communication issues. I mean, we get requests all the time and you touched upon it early is where's the Wi-Fi good? Where's the infrastructure good that we can make sure that we can continue and do these phone calls. So what would you say kind of more generally to somebody who's, who's sitting out there saying, I want to follow the path that Dave said here. I want to do this. What, what do I need to worry about taxes? health, Wi-Fi, you know, what are we missing on things? And a couple of your tips would would, would help. Yeah, well, I think people, you don't want to overthink it. So I, I would just encourage people like the same way you do when you go on holiday, just head out, do it for a month. You're not going to get too much trouble over a month, return home, and then you can kind of figure out where the gotchas were. But yeah, I think for us, yeah, we were traveling for a year. I mean, just simple things like trying to get your mail or maybe your bills are going to a certain mailbox, just making sure everything is taken care of. Because in a year's time, when you leave home, a lot of things can go wrong or you just, you know, for us, we had to go home after a year just to kind of get our, get our lives on track, just to make sure everything was in place and we weren't being kind of irresponsible about our lifestyles. But I think generally yeah, a lot of the nomads, once you've experienced it and you want to get on the road, I mean, I think for a lot of them, you know, getting rid of your apartment, you're selling most of the stuff you don't want, that you do need maybe to put in a storage unit or keep at your parents' house. But yeah, I think overall, it's a very, very simple lifestyle to leave. And if you're living on a tourist visa, generally, I think you're going to be okay. Maybe every place is a little bit different. But I think a place like Portugal is great for me because generally everyone here speaks English. When you start dealing with the government, yeah, you've got to be able to speak a little Portuguese and they're not so easy on you. Fortunately, my wife, she speaks Spanish fluently and she can kind of get by here. But that's the only challenge for me is once you decide to stay long term, and then you have to start interacting with the you know, utility companies and yep. start to interact with the government. You know, everything tends to be in the local language, and there's not a lot of flexibility. So you know, for us, like I even have to get our attorney to call sometimes, just because I can't understand say what they're talking. Like, sure, for me, I'd be sure. in trouble if I was on my own. But I think stuff like bank bank accounts, paying bills. You know, there's new services just like Andrew's created, insured nomads to help 
you know, insure you while you're on the road. There's also other services on the payment front that are very popular. So like Revolut or, you know, TransferWise. And a lot of these new services are kind of popping up. So whereas I think in the last five years, the infrastructure wasn't necessarily there. What you're starting to see now is entrepreneurs like ourselves building the infrastructure to make this lifestyle much easier going forward. Uh, there's even a company called Remote.com. So a lot of companies are concerned about paying employees, benefits, taxes. Remote.com takes care of all that for you. So you can hire people in other countries. They don't have to just be freelancers. So I think yeah, the whole infrastructure, like all the, the piping is kind of being yeah. built at the moment. And I think the Gen Z is the ones that are really going to benefit from all of this. They're not going to know any different, really. Yeah, no, it's uh, awesome. But yeah, the, millenn the millennials have kind of paved the way. And we're all pioneers at this stage, I feel like. It's, well, you've you've obviously traveled about. You, you've seen some unique things. Is there one overlooked person, place, or experience you'd like to share with our listeners uh, as they explore the world? I, you know, I love snowboarding. So as I was mentioning, Japan's an amazing place to go to if you can. So I really like the north of Japan, Hokkaido. It's really, really beautiful. And uh, yeah, that, that's a great place to go to. The Sapporo, the city of Sapporo is really, really nice. There's a there's a ramen alley there that's, that's amazing. So if you like ramen, go check that out. But I'd say uh, the northern island of Japan, it's incredible. I also love Cusco, Peru. My wife's Peruvian. From Lima, but we spent a lot of time in Cusco and even in the Bay City of Machu Picchu and Aguas Calientes. Those are both very magical places to go to, do some hiking, and you really have a magical experience. Yeah, in terms of people um, in the nomad scene, you know, someone you may or may not have heard of is a is a lady, Kristen Wilson, and she runs a, a YouTube channel, Traveling with Kristen. Um, I just noticed she she just did a podcast, I think, about why Americans are leaving Costa Rica. And I think it has over a million views already. And she just put this one out like a couple of weeks ago. So she's starting to get really, really popular, I think, as this movement takes off. And she's also usually joins us for our clubhouse event each month with Andrew. And obviously, I really like Andrew, too, but he's on the, the podcast. I don't want to... <laughs> he's not paying me to say this, but I think he brings a lot of energy to the movement, a lot of experience, and, uh, and then building all of that into his product, which I think is awesome. And that really seems like a very conscious entrepreneur, which I think is also a big trend in the industry is a movement away from you know, this typical business that's been done in the past, but people be more conscious about how they treat their employees and vendors and the types of businesses that they're creating. So I think that's exciting. Cool. Well, Dave, thank you for joining us today. It is really a privilege and an honor. Tell us if we, if you will, and this will be in the show notes for those listening to go to our site and check it out, but tell us where we can find you because there's a lot of good stuff happening in this next season of your life and folks need to keep in touch with you. How can they do that? That's just to reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, just David Nicole Williams, N-I-C-O-L. You can check me out there uh, or just email me directly, dave at nomadx.com. More than happy to answer any emails or messages you want to send my direction. So just really appreciate it, you guys. Thanks for hosting this and inviting me on your show. I super appreciate it. It's been really nice to meet you, Andrew. I know there's some great things in the works. And so whatever I can do to support you guys. And uh, just really excited about your business. And I know we've got some local connections back in the Southeast and the United States. And I keep hearing great things about you. So congrats on all your success and keep it up. Sweet. Thank you, Dave. Grateful. All right. So Dave, thank you very much. Great conversation today. And I think that uh, Andrew's point about us getting to Portugal is, is something that we have high on the list. Thank you for joining us today, listeners. Uh, please do subscribe to The New Nomad. You can also find us at thenewnomad.net or insurednomads.com. We look forward to hearing from you and 
Have a wonderful day and, and keep experiencing the world. We appreciate you. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the New Nomad Podcast, where we bring together an incredible community of people and ideas that embody the nomadic spirit. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. For more amazing tips to help you take advantage of the cross-border lifestyle, please visit us at insurednomads.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.